Hello, and welcome to Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate, a show about buying and selling homes in Montana and the power realtors and power lenders that make that happen. We are your hosts, Colleen Wood. And I'm Alicia Retz. Each week, we will discuss the housing market, how to navigate it, and what questions you need to be asking yourself along the way. But that's not all. We will also dive into how to navigate the ins and outs of being leaders in business and how to build a robust and dynamic team within that business and navigating the world as a career-driven professional, all while raising a family. Join us as we share our highs and lows in real estate, business ownership, and motherhood. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good, Alicia. How are you? I'm good. All right. Today, we're going to talk about living in uncertainty. Yeah, this is a crazy industry we're in. Yeah, we don't get paid until it closes. We can mm-hmm. work and work and work and nothing For months. Happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the longest you've worked with a client? Oh, months. Months for sure. Um, have had folks before that maybe had a bankruptcy in the past and, you know, wanted to purchase a home and you have to wait a while. And so it was a long-term conversation with them to and to keep their the conversation cultivated and making sure that, you know, that when the time had come that they could go ahead and make application and purchase a home that we were ready to go. Had work to do prior to that. So yeah, months, six months. Oh, yeah. Seven, eight months. Yeah forever. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. How do you live with that on a day-to-day basis, just knowing that there is no guarantee and that the market could crash, go crazy, something major could change? Mm -hmm. Do you have a trick that just keeps your brain steady? Are you kind of like me where you're just so busy, you don't have time to stop and think about it? You know, I don't spend much time thinking about it. I definitely don't uh, count my chickens before they've hatched, for sure. I mean, I think that that's something that's a really common thing to do in our industry is we start adding up the deals we have in process and start thinking that that money's already in the bank and maybe spending it as if it's already in the bank. And that is a really, really bad thing to do. So until that money lands in your account, you should definitely not start spending that money. I don't even calculate because, you know, we get a little bit different percentages on different homes. I don't even calculate what my take home is going to be on a deal until maybe a couple days before closing. Right. I do not even, I feel like I'm almost jinxing it or something. So I really don't even plan on it until it's done. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So because of that, does it change like how you plan your life, how you plan your finances or how do you deal with that? A little bit. I've always been super frugal. And so is my husband in the best possible way. We really live way below our means. Even when we were in college, we did. We always were good at savings. And what we try to do, and I think we've talked about this once before, we try to live off just one of our incomes. Right. And so we just, we haven't talked about that. Yeah. Okay, great. So what we kind of plan on is my husband's salary can pay for vacation once a year, all the stuff we have to spend, Mm -hmm. our mortgages and so forth. And then we try to save as much as mine as possible Mm -hmm. and use that for new investments. Yeah. And so that makes it where we're never getting close. It's never like close. Are we going to make it this month or not? Oh gosh, it's so scary. Oh, I know. And I've lived there before, you know, right after college, we Mm -hmm. bought our first house and it was scary for a while. Yeah. We got, it was really close whether we could get the financing or not. And when we were in it, it was really, it was tough. And I don't ever want to live like that again. Yeah. I think something that's really, really important is it's so easy to sign up for payments and so easy to just purchase something and do it all on credit. But every single time you sign up for one of those payments, I mean, that's, you have to make sure that you're going to close enough deals in order to be able to make all those payments. So I always recommend if you can't pay for it in cash, it can wait. Right. I totally agree. That's all Dave Ramsey 
Ponzi's philosophy too. Yeah. Is cash is king. Don't go into debt. It's really hard. It's easier said than done too. Yeah. When, if you have a crisis come up, I remember our first big credit card thing, one of our dogs got sick and we had yeah. to get a credit card just to pay that vet bill. So again, it's easier said than done to not get that debt. But if you can just go off cash and not go into debt, you'll be in such a better place. Well, even if like, if you have an emergency like that, if, if the majority of the time, 95% of the time you're paying for cash for those bigger, with cash for those bigger purchases. And then if you do have an emergency, you know, you're paying one little credit card bill. Right. Not a huge deal. You can, you can make that happen. But I see a lot of people that start doing well in our industry and really start signing up for some really big expenditures. You know, I love the house I live in. I don't need a golden toilet. You know, I really, <laughs> really don't. I, I like to live more simple and I don't want to have to worry about the market changing or if something happens or what if I got sick or something right. and I couldn't close loans right now. You know, I, I have to make sure that I'm making decisions that are going to um, be okay for my family. The other thing that I feel, especially on my side and probably yours as well, when someone's desperate to make a deal, you can feel it. Mm -hmm. If you don't have to make a deal, but you're working on their best interest and not just get the deal done, that's not the only purpose for you being there. It's actually to see what's best for them. Mm -hmm. It just... It, it like exudes off of you. Mm -hmm. I've been around and I've worked with agents. I can tell they have to get this deal done. Right. It's, they're desperate. They, they're desperate. Mm -hmm. And you can just seeps through. Yeah. And they people act don't like panicky. that. Yeah. I mean, when you act that way, you actually push people away. Yes. They really can read you um, that, that you, they can feel the desperation. They can feel that you're not coming from a confident, solid state that, you know, you're just kind of, you're there to, for their best interests, whatever it comes into uh, bringing into that you're doing it for your best interests. Completely. And completely. it's not pretty. And that does not last long. You will no. not be sustainable if you act that way. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing too, that's really helped me with the uncertainty is just having that pipeline. Yeah. You got to throw a lot of darts in order to hit the oh, board. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, it's a numbers game. Yep. So for me, I feel comfortable when I have 16 homes under contract. Yeah. That's really kind of my zone right now. Right now I only have 10, but by the end of this podcast, I'll probably have 14. Right. 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 Right But it's, that's really where I'm like, oh yeah, we're good for a while. Like, and just knowing that I have a bunch of buyers and sellers that are coming up through the pipeline, mm -hmm. it really helps with that uncertainty a lot. So if I do lose a deal or two for an inspection or what have you, it's just, okay, let's get through this and then get to the next. Right. And it's a numbers game. It's an encouragement to make sure that you do have a bigger pipeline because if you only have two deals in your pipeline that are going to close and you lose one, I mean, you're cutting your income in half. Yes. To making sure, to make sure that you are increasing and growing your business at a level that, you know, you have 15, 20 deals in your pipeline. You know, we have 35 deals in my pipe, in our pipeline ask, right now. Yeah. In our pipeline that are going to close this month. So we have, See? we we have a lot more 60 uh, some in the pipeline right now. Um, but insane. if we That's lose so one, yeah, if we lose one, it's not going to be a deal breaker. So, you know, it's just making sure that you're setting your business up so that it can absorb some ups and downs. This uh, real estate business absolutely ebbs and flows and it, it can ramp up and shut down in a matter of a day. And and so you do, you have to be making sure that you have enough cash in the bank, that you haven't overextended yourself, that you're living below your means uh, so that you can be really comfortable and absorb those ups and downs. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. How often are you seeing deals fall apart right now? Because it's so hard for buyers to get 
get into a home, are you seeing people terminate in the middle of transactions? Or are you no. seeing less? Yeah. No, I, I'm seeing people once they once they're finally able to get under contract, we're taking it to fruition. My team also does a really fantastic job of pre-qualifying people up front. So we don't have deals die in underwriting. I do kind of like that side of it when because I don't get a lot involved with that side of it. But when something does go a little sideways, like somebody went and bought a car or something and now we have to restructure. I like that part. I like the problem solving and we come up with an answer. Yeah, so I don't have things fall apart. So it, it's a good place to be. If it did fall apart, it would be because of an inspection and then you're probably a little bit closer to the beginning. Than oh yeah, we're done. at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then it's just the buyer saying, I don't want to buy this house. Right. Yeah, and right. then we're like, okay, cool piece. Let's go find a different one. That's not a big deal. And I know it's more of a big deal for on your side of it, but we've kind of just barely got our feet wet uh, so at that point. So we're not, yet. yeah, we're, we're, we're not, we're not crying in our beer about that. See, we're seeing most homes go under contract as is. And so we're not losing. I mean, we would rarely lose a deal as it was, but now it feels like if we're under contract, it's happening mm -hmm. because the buyer had to do everything they could to get into that house, yeah, which is just sure. kind of an interesting moment. Yeah, for sure. So do you have a plan or have you developed a plan for a worst case scenario in your business sure. and what you do? Yeah, I have a number of production that we have to hit in order to essentially break even. And it's a pretty low number. And that's just kind of like my contingency, my contingency plan. I have to make sure that we go above that number in order to pay our bills. But, you know, very worst case scenario, if we didn't have that production level, I could adjust my compensation and be able to influx cash into, into to our PL. It's not something that I obviously would love to do, but you know, my my team is my top priority and their paychecks are the top priority. So it, that's something that I can do in order to kind of absorb some downs in the market. How about you? Do you what do you do? So my this is kind of off on another tangent, but my worst case scenario is that realtors kind of stop to exist almost. Oh yeah. Like with Zillow happening and there's so many other options for people. There is so much more to it than people understand. So once they're in it, I think realtors will always, they'll always be around, but I think maybe their role could end up changing. I think that's real. Yeah. And so that's definitely like my worst case scenario where we kind of don't exist, where we become more like travel agents, where remember how everyone had a travel agent, they were yeah. there all the time. And now travel agents still exist, but mm -hmm. it's just for super luxury deals or something kind of unique. And so I always kind of have that worst case scenario that I might not even have a job in this industry anymore. So we have invested heavily in real estate because people will always need a place to live. Mm -hmm. And then- I guess I just want, even if we kind of just dissipate a little bit, mm -hmm. I think there'll always be a need for realtors in some capacity. And I have... I think made a name enough for myself that I'll always be able to work in the industry in, su in some way. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's something that's really could potentially come down the line is because there is a lot of digital platforms and uh, some of these big, big players are really trying to edge into the market. Remember when Zillow came out and said that they would never compete for realtors, yep. you know, for realtors uh, side of the game. And they absolutely are doing that. They took all the money and then they uh, went ahead and now they're trying to take the business too. So that's really unfortunate. But, you know, I, I think that there will always be need for that personal touch. Yep. And as much as I think that some of those tech players are trying to think that they're going to take 100% of the business, I don't think that that's ever going to happen. Certainly not in our lifetime. I uh, agree. People are always going to want to work with people. And, and it's a lot to navigate. Every yeah. single transaction is different. And even if you have the paperwork, say, oh, you do this first, this second, this third, and so forth, there's still so many nuances to every single part of it that every time I'm under contract with somebody, they call me 
six or seven times a day, especially mm-hmm. when we first get under contract. So it's going to be really hard for that sort of platform to be able to give that same sort of information so quickly. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So, um, I mean, I think you're always going to have job security there. But, you know, I mean, this this industry really is, it is uncertain. There are ups and downs. There are ebbs and flows. But I always like to look at like the long term yes. and, you know, what do I need to do for the year in production? Not what I need to do per month because we certainly see some uh, a little bit of a slowdown in the winter time. Um, we plan for that. So it's it's looking at the annual perspective and, and, and how much we need to close in order to reach our goals. I and like be okay that. with the ups and downs because summer is always higher. Um, my, my biggest month... Um, historically has always been September. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. last year mine was uh, November just because I had a lot that uh, got pushed a little bit because of COVID world. Sure. But uh-huh. right around September, people are still... September, buying. October, November yep. is tending to be quite large. Yep. Um, so kind of weird. That's different. It's different than what we've seen. Typically people have, you know, quote unquote, gone back to school and everybody's like, oh, the market's going to slow down because everybody's going back to school. They still and, need a and place to live. And still, things are still happening. So you just never know and you, you have to be okay with risk. You, you have to not be risk risk adverse. So definitely in that disc profile, having a low C for sure is definitely part of this deal. If you're looking for a regular paycheck, you should not be a producing person paid 100% on commission. You should probably make sure you go find yourself a salary. Exactly. If there are people and personalities that just would not thrive in that uncertainty. For sure. You have to know yourself, know your personality, know that you can handle the ups and downs. One thing that you said that I really like that I'm not good at is Mm -hmm. looking at the yearly I definitely have the yearly goals of what I want to sell, but I do really do month by month. I really look at a lot month by month and February was a slow month for me. I only had a few closings. It's like, oh, it's crushing me, but it was (laughs) all totally. It's all gone to shit. (laughs) I'm not having any... Everything's died. Uh, No, you can't think like that because it's just there's certain things, you know, but part of it too is making sure that you have a plan for keeping your pipeline full. And, you know, I don't know what it is for you, but for me, it's what do I do 60 days before I'm closing the loan, that's really what, that's what is going to result in my, in my closing 60 days from now. What am I doing today? And if you have a slow February, that probably means that you were a little, maybe, maybe putting your feet up a little bit in December, Exactly. maybe putting your feet up a little bit in November, which, Hey, that was the holidays and being okay with that because it's the holidays. Right. And enjoy yourself during the lows because knowing that it's going to pop back up. I actually tell new agents what you do today, you'll feel six months from now. Okay. That's your mark. Yep. six months. Uh-huh. Because okay. it takes a while to maybe just make those contacts. Yeah. And if you're really putting yourself out there, you will start to see the true re- reward after about six months. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And I'm getting, I, with my cold calls, I'm starting to get people call me back now from cold calls I was making last September. Uh-huh. So that isn't that, I mean, that's almost nine months now. Right. So really what you do now, you will feel the reward of later. You will not feel it immediately. And I think that's also hard for people in our business where they're like, oh, I'm ready to be good now. I'm ready to be the best now. I want to be the top producer. Mm-hmm. It takes time and it yeah. takes building that pipeline, finding the right clients. And like you said, a numbers game, because you will hear a lot of people say not now or maybe later or, or straight no, but keep pushing and find enough people that you're not just having one or two buyers at a time. Right. And talking about numbers, you know, I really like somebody explained this to me and it's finding out how many no's you have to get through in order to get a yes. And then 
using that as a catalyst to be excited about getting the no's. Because right. if it's like, okay, it takes it takes 12 no's to get a yes, that's my average. So I want to go knock out those 12 no's. I'm excited about making those phone calls because I need to knock out those 12 no's to get to my yes. And if you do the math on it, so like 12 phone calls and one of them is a yes, I'm going to make, you know, X number of dollars. Say you're going to make $2,000 on this one deal and then divide that by the 12 phone calls you make. That's how much those uh, each one of those no phone calls actually earns you money. I so being excited like so two hundred dollars or whatever it is, whatever it is per phone, a little bit less, so like one hundred eighty dollars. Yeah, every single time you get a no, you're like, I just put one hundred eighty dollars in my bank account. That is such good advice. I yeah. love that. It's I'm probably a way that. bigger number than that. Well, I don't know. I think twelve is <laughs> about right. Honestly, I really right. do. Part of it's getting a hold of somebody. That's right. a hard part. But if you actually talk to 12 people, mm-hmm. I bet the numbers are actually lower. I bet it's yeah. like more like six. Yeah, I think you're you right. Talk to. I think you're right. And that's, I mean, demonstrating that to our teams too, that it's like, you know, I just actually pushed off um, some of my uh, past client phone calls onto my uh, onto one of my team members because they're so important that they're being done. And I wasn't doing them at a level that was that was good. So I pushed it off and, and I was explaining to her, don't be upset if somebody doesn't want to talk to you. Just be gracious and, yep. and thank and just say, I'll just take you off the list. You know, just yes. very much just wanted to just check in with you because we always want to make sure that, you know, we're in our clients' lives going forward. So don't be don't be sad if you get a no or somebody tells you to buzz off. You right. know, it's okay. And that's what's weird about our job. So technically you're not getting paid to make those phone calls if you're not actually closing on those deals. But if you calculate what you make per hour, if you make six phone calls and you get one buyer off of it, right. What you're making per hour is pretty insane. It's pretty great. Go make your five no phone calls. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Wish you six and just do it. It's, I enjoy it. I I never, ever want to do it. Every time I'm like, today's cold call day, I always dread it. But the second I start making those calls and I get in the zone of it, Mm -hmm. I really enjoy talking to people and listening to them. And I like the competitiveness of it. Right. The, like I like the hunt. I like, I, I enjoy it. Well, that's why you and I are are okay with having risk. And that's why we're okay being in an industry that absolutely has some uncertain times. We're able to mitigate it. We're able to balance out both the financial and, um, well, really just financial really right. is the biggest part of it. Uncertain side of, of our industry. So yeah. you're a rock star. You're killing it with that. And, and you know, we're, we'll just keep carrying on. I agree. This is really fun. I appreciate talking to you about it. You too. This is awesome. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next week for another episode of Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate. 